Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 27 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. the sex symbol in the trading industry. And I'm joined here with my dapper co-host, former market maker and present-day trading educator, a man you'd want your son to imitate and your daughter to stay away from, a true chameleon who can blend in anywhere from the White House to the Trap House. I'm talking about the proper villain, JJ. JJ, how's it going? Good, Ray. How are you doing today? Doing excellent, man. I'm excited because our guest today, he started his trading career as a Soze Bandit. In 1998, he founded Future Trading Technologies, which completed a 17 million round of financing. He's the CEO of the highly popular and powerful Trade Ideas, which is a real-time data mining and data technology. But the highest achievement in his life goes to that of being a judge at the Cannabis Cup. I'm talking about Dan Merkin. Dan, how's it going? Hey there. Thank you for the introduction. No pun intended with the highest achievement. My man caught it. Of course. <laughs> of course, Dan, you know, uh, I thought potheads were lazy people, not uh, CEOs of Inc. 5000 companies. Uh, I guess there's something wrong with that narrative, huh? Yeah, I think they got that all wrong. Um, you know, we, we control our own destiny. You got to, if you can maintain uh, some control over the excess, then you can allow the positivity of things to come into your life. And mm -hmm. cannabis is certainly one of those things. And uh, um, I was very fortunate, you know, the way I'll just tell you a quick story. Mm -hmm. The way I got into judging is just happens to be that my best buddy from when I, you know, so I'm a Russian immigrant, by the way, for mm -hmm. the listeners, if they want to know, my family moved from Russia to America in 1978. Um, and I grew up in Houston, Texas. And the first guy that I became buddies with was one of my dad's sons. So one of my dad's coworkers' sons. And, you know, we just became buddies. And uh, we kind of, obviously, when we grew up, he, they moved somewhere. We kind of drifted apart. And then through social media around 2010, we reconnected. And I found out he was the senior cultivation editor at High Times Magazine. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and he goes by Danny Danko on social media. If you want to follow him, he's a really smart guy, super cool, um, really good guy. And, you know, we kind of talked about how cannabis was something that we had in common. And, you know, we chatted and he helped me to become a judge. So that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Neat, neat story. You know, in, in, in talking about you immigrating, that's what I, I, uh, I wanted to start with. Cause I mean, you immigrated when you were eight and that was Soviet Russia. I mean, obviously a big cultural difference. I mean, what was that, what the, the acclimation like for you and your family? Well, you know, it wasn't easy. I have to tell you because, you know, we came with nothing. And, uh, when you kind of go into the school system at that age, you're sort of fed to the wolves. You know, mm -hmm. kids can be mean. Nowadays, the teachers sort of watch for that. So you don't get picked on and things like that. But I kind of had a little bit rougher. Um, but it also built character so that I was able to you know, learn from that kind of stuff. And um, it helped shape me for who I am today. And uh, my parents were both very hardworking kind of scientists. And, uh, you know, I saw the value of education and making sure that you're 
not a total screw up in life. So <laughs> I uh, did my best to, to do that. I you know, went to school in Houston, then I went to college at University of Texas in Austin. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my fraternity brothers ended up, well, not ended up, but his family owned Herzog, Heine, and Godol. Mm-hmm. That's how I got into the stock market. You know, and they were the ones that introduced me to Soze Bandits. Um, they said, look, you know, if you want to try to make money trading, Soze is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know what that was. And then it turned out that Austin, Texas was like a big Soze hub. Exactly. Back in the day. Back in the day, yeah. Like in the mid-90s, uh, mm-hmm. it was uh, New York, Austin. I mean, beyond weird, but that's what it was. And uh, I learned through bloody noses, you know. <laughs> that, that's, one of the, that's one of the things that, that's so different from doing it now is that, you know, there you could only, you could only learn to get the skill set by just making mistakes and hope that you didn't burn through your account. And I didn't succeed at that all the time. I had some help, you know, to refund my account from my parents when I made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I got kind of things going and uh, slowly figured it out. And eventually, that led to me, you know, so one of the other cool things is in Austin, I saw this guy, Philip Berber, start a company called CyberTrader and then mm-hmm. saw how that got bought out for half a billion dollars by Schwab in 2000. So I was like, whoa, software is where it's at because if you're, you control the software, you control the business. Right. And uh, I decided to get into the software business, move to California. We raised money through some of the people that understood, like, you know, that I understood the game and how mm-hmm. it was played. And, you know, that was the first foray into, you know, when I was 29 years old and I'm 49 now, so 20 years ago. I was a foray into getting that going and uh, um, trying to port the direct access kind of trading technology to the hedge fund space. And I learned an immense amount from there. You know, again, so many things that you wouldn't expect. Uh, you would think that, you know, hedge funds are just uh, well-funded day traders, but that's not the case. You know, that's uh, not, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> I didn't understand the whole yeah. payment for order flow and all oh, that other yeah. stuff. And you, you learn about all that and, and, and you understand that there's this whole other hidden side of the game, you know, <laughs> exactly. Um, when we told them that we put on trades and then hope to make money, they were like, what do you mean? Hope we like to put on trades and know we make money. I was like, exactly. What? Right. Uh, how does that work? Oh, through payment for order flow. Oh, <laughs> okay. I gotcha. So, Light bulb. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that really kind of helped us to understand that things were not always as they seemed. And um, as we were going through that experience, something terrible happened 9 11. Yep. You know, so that happened right, you know, 2001. It was right in the middle of like one of our funding rounds. So you can imagine that things literally turned on a dime. And to make a long story short, I ended up having, well, kind of getting fired from the company that I started. They brought in a bunch of old guys because it was no longer popular to have young guys. Mm-hmm. Firms was yeah. it happened really literally overnight. It did happen quickly. Yeah, yeah very painful did. for the ego. You know, both my wife and I were working for the company at the time. She was um, the 24, the the brokerage manager because we had our brokerage because we knew that 
In order to test the tech, you need to have a brokerage that's trading real money. It can't just exactly. be all Q&A stuff. Yeah. And the venture capital guys came in, blew all that up, uh, didn't want, they just wanted to do it old school. Eventually, I, you know, again, I had to leave because it was just too painful. And um, when I left, me and my core crew, uh, especially the, the tech architect, we left that business. And it was called Future Trade Technologies. But it wasn't for futures, it was for stocks. It was as yep. in the way to trade in the future. Yeah. Um, and in 2003, we started Trade Ideas, and we've been doing that for 17 years, man. That's amazing. Yeah. That, how did uh, – because I went through – tough times at 9-11 too, just to jump in the, uh, how did you manage that transition from, you know, when the VC boys came and shut you down to starting trade ideas? Um, oh, um, well, you know, if you look at our website, we kind of have a story about that. We call yeah. the whole venture space, mm -hmm. the $50 million education of what not to do. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. They're a disaster. Let me like, you know, you say no topics off topic. I'll give you a little topic. I mean, I actually think, the whole business of venture capital is a scam to destroy capitalism. There you go. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain very simply. They come in, then they create every business and tell them to make shit for free. So am I allowed to say that on the podcast? Yeah, you're fine. Oh, you're fine yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you're yeah. fine, Dan. Yeah. All right. Um, so everybody makes stuff for free. Now businesses can't compete if you're funded by you know a venture capital firm that's got unlimited money laundry money that they're laundering through for other reasons. <clears throat> Uh, but <laughs> an infinite bankroll. So they're putting, making, look, look at Robinhood brokerage is a perfect example to put into that, right? Who the hell would have started a brokerage and said, okay, we're not going to charge commission. Somebody yeah. who wants to disrupt brokerage. But listen, let me tell you something, man. That whole notion, if you look at the definition of the word disruption, it ain't good. <laughs> you know, like I don't know, everything's been flipped upside down. So yes, you know, brokerage yeah. used to make like you used to be able to do like a day trading brokerage where if you had like fifty clients and they were successful, you could run a really good business. I mean, exactly, exactly, a serious amount of money by providing service and location yep. and atmosphere and whatever. And if you could yep. grow that online, I mean, again, you could do really well. But the whole notion of Robin Hood was to destroy all that, man. Yeah. They, they came in, they gave it all away for free. And, but there's another deeper, darker side to the whole venture capital bullshit that, that's even beyond Robin Hood is that now if you want to play the game, everybody's got to go through them and sit through bullshit board meetings and have you know bullshit reviews. And, and <laughs> if you have one quarter of no growth, everybody gets fired and mm. you know, they, they can start over. Infinite amount of people they can put in your place. That's true. So, yeah. I, again, to the tune of like what we didn't want to do since we had such a terrible experience with venture capital and learned that that's, I mean, again, it's a long play against capitalism. I mean, these, uh, they're really trying to screw the whole game up. But mm -hmm. that's beyond the pay grade of this podcast. I'll just simply say that with Trade Ideas in 2003, when we started, we said the last thing we want to do is raise money. Let's just start by having a business that can make income and we grew it as a family business you know we started with two people then with three it was like the tech guy and me and another buddy of mine who did sales and you know i kind of did product development and, and it just kind of grew from there now we have a uh, 25 people uh working for the company um everybody works from home we have a data center so nobody sits okay. there 
you know, commute. It's a, just a great business, you know? And the yeah. funny thing is we're still very much like a startup because since we never raised any money, nobody knows we exist <laughs> except for, <our laughs> you know, I get called every, every, uh, like a few days I get some emails like, Hey, we're with venture firm. Da, 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 da. We'd like to talk to you about some growth opportunity. I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, That's you gotta, the thing. You yeah, can, you got to respect it. You got you stick stick to your guns, stick to your, uh, you know, your beliefs, and look to where you guys got. You know, I mean, nothing but respect there. Um, well, we appreciate that. It, it wasn't easy, you know, and and this whole notion of the way businesses are run today, everybody goes for this hyper growth. You know, you guys were talking about how getting captivated by Tesla. Okay, I get it. You know, it's captivating, right? Look look at that thing. It was up. 122 points, 15%. Yep. Okay, it's over 900 right now. Yep. This thing's losing $4.70 a share. Exactly. Okay, let's, let's just, I just want to remind everybody a story, okay? This is another, Tesla's another piece of BS that's kind of like Amazon where the people that are in charge of the game, they will allow some company to lose money for a decade mm. you know, mm -hmm. until they become a monopoly, which is basically what, Amazon is nowadays, right? Mm. If you're allowed to lose money forever, then then how does anybody compete with yeah. that in a real business? Come exactly. On. I mean, yeah. Tesla just loses and loses and loses and loses. And what if you had another company that you also want to do electric cars, but you had to make money? I mean, it's impossible. Yeah. You know, I mean, coming from somebody who you, people used to pay to manufacture short squeezes, uh, I mean, it, it's beautifully done. I, you know, that whole thing with him even coming out and, you know, the whole 420 thing was just to think, make everybody think he was crazy and short the stock and then they trapped everyone. You know? well, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> I mean, again, it, it is pretty crazy what goes on and, and, and the people, and if you look at, you know, I've always said, look at the owners. I mean, if you look at the people that own Tesla, it's the same people that own Apple, yeah. that own Microsoft. It's Black exactly. Rock, Blackstone, exactly. Black, Black Trident, <laughs> Blackwater, Blackwater, <laughs> Dirty, Dirty Cube. I mean, five like private equity companies that 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 run the whole thing. So you yeah. have to really be careful getting too emotional about you know. I'll tell you this. It's like that whole Madoff scam, right? I mean, there were people who were calling him out for over a decade. Exactly. The Ponzi scheme. Yeah. And what did they get? A turd. Yeah, Harry Markopoulos. Yeah. You know? I mean, they got yeah. and no thanks, no, no, no glory. So being right means nothing. And so it's the same thing with Tesla. Like, look, yeah. he can lose money. If, if they want to, he can lose money for another 10 years until he puts Ford out of business, potentially. Mm. I mean, that's the game. Yeah. That's why it's called disruption. <laughs> and again, all you have to do is look at the definition of the word. Dang exactly. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Dan, I, uh, you know, I, like I was saying before, I can appreciate you guys sticking to your guns and, and, and I appreciate you as like an independent thinker, not, you know, not going along the lines. And, you know, just to bring it back to the, the Soul's Bandits, for our listeners, can you explain, uh, you know, what that is and like your, your guy's style of trading? All right, I'll give you the history of the Soze Bandits. Um, in 1987, a fake, I mean, a real crash happened. <laughs> Orchestrated, hashtag or not, 
um, that caused a lot of problems in the stock market. You know, people were jumping out of buildings. I think it was still percentage wise, the biggest one day drop um, on the exchanges, 1987. Yep. So when the, when the dust settled and, you know, they scraped all the bodies off the floors, they're trying to figure out a way to punish themselves, but not really punish themselves. Okay? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they came up with this way that retailers, th- that everybody had to be good for a thousand shares on the bid or a thousand shares on the offer. And anybody who had access to this thing called the small order execution system, which is the computer network that maintained this thousand minimum and thousand I mean thousand minimum on the bid and the ask yeah. uh, if any retail brokerage had access to it through a computer you could just press a button and the thousand was it was executed exactly. it was like you know direct access you had access to the offer and you had access to the bid okay but in 1987 you guys will recall computers weren't really around okay exactly so they didn't really give a shit about that it, it was on for two years and nobody even knew about it. Then I think <laughs> in 1989, Harvey Hopkins stumbled onto it. That's right. That's with right. That. Yeah. Um, good old Harvey. He stumbled onto the system and through him stumbling onto it, and literally I think he dropped his sub on the, like the shift alt button or whatever. And all of a sudden found himself long at the offer and somebody was calling him because like, what the, because what happened was, and this is the beauty of you guys, you guys who are market makers or- I, I, I fed market makers order flow. So the SO system was automatically set to refresh. Yeah. Like if someone hit, hits an offer, <laughs> hits a bid, it would auto refresh and you're- yeah. you know, and that, So, you know, imagine somebody's, you know, taking a poop at lunch, <laughs> those guys, and he's making a market in this stock. So exactly. those guys hear some news, they start, hitting the offer, offer. He just keeps repeating, you know, boom, yeah. boom, boom, he's short 30,000 shares. shares. <laughs> you know, it's crossed up on Instanet for, yeah. I mean, I'm really old. I mean, that's no, no, I remember locked markets. Don't worry. This is good. This is really yeah. good. Yeah. So there's locked and crossed and, you know, later on we got alerts for all that, but, but all of a sudden, for those that don't understand, the bid was actually higher than the offer and you got sales guys jamming the offer you know, basically buying as much as they could. And, and that's, there's another beauty of this whole point. There's another network called SelectNet. Exactly. Right? And SelectNet only allowed, again, market makers couldn't trade on it. Like they couldn't like do it with one another. But so like a retail guy through the NASDAQ workstation had to put an offer out. And then only then could that offer be taken by a market maker. So market makers, A, were not allowed to use SOs, so they couldn't SOs each other. Yeah. And then, they, so, so it was really a select net SOs one-two punch. You could hit the offer, offer out a quarter above, and the market makers who were panicking would start buying from you, and you're making, you know, since minimum 1,000 shares, you're making uh, $250 a pop. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So that's the whole nature of the SOS game. But one of the coolest things about it, you know, guys, is that for those that were there and you have to be there at the right time, it kind of let, let you in onto the inner workings of the market. You know, most people today, you show them, a, you talk about things like locked, crossed. No clue. Like, no, but they don't, they don't understand. Not, maybe yeah. they understand mechanically, but you don't feel it. And there's a difference yeah. between a feeling and just a simple 
scholastic understanding of what's going on. Exactly. So us old SOS guys, we got to see that. We got to feel what the market looks like. It's sort of like, you know, Sun Tzu, know your enemy. You understood the weakness exactly. of the market makers, where they were strong, where they were weak, etc. Um, and uh, and that's how the game evolved. And, and, and we were there at the perfect time, you know, and, and during that time, uh, like from the mid 90s, like 96 to 2000, there really was an explosion of self-directed investment as all the internet stocks were going crazy and things like that, you know, and Yahoo and uh, all the search engines were coming to market. And there was this gigantic shift of people um, trading for themselves. Now, these people weren't taught the right things and all they thought was they, all they had to do was buy Yahoo and forget about it and stuff <laughs> like that. But it worked for a little while and you had all these people, you know, like the commercials where they wanted to buy the island and all, all those things. But the problem, of course, they were never taught risk management, never understood exactly. the downside. And when the rug was pulled out of them uh, in 2000 and 2001, you know, first with the dot-com bubble and then 9-11, yeah. The industry never really recovered. Everybody got so gun shy that they just forgot that you could do it on your own. Exactly. When they introduced PDT, the rule, you know, the PDT yeah. rule, and they cut out all the small traders. The, the, uh, exactly. You know, and, uh, look, the game is rigged. You know, and, yeah. and I and I hate saying it like that, but it's no, you got to once again, you got to know your enemy. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Did you uh, ever think of working at Herzog? Uh, I know because I used to trade with those guys all the time. But. Yeah, you know, um, that was never kind of offered to me oh, okay. per se. And, and I think it's partly because, you know, I didn't want to go to New York. My buddy was going there and and we have, and I'm still very good friends with him, you know. Stephen okay. Gadold is his name. Uh, it just was not on the radar. I was always very kind of self-directed. You know, I wanted to do stuff on my own. Seems that way. And, yeah. uh, so that was not in the wind for me. Okay. And, and I like it that way because, you know, I ended up never working for anybody but myself throughout my which, whole life. Which is pretty cool. Nice. No, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, again, it, it has its emotional ups and downs and, and a lot of uh, scar tissue and bloody noses. But you learn from it, you become a better person. I mean, I think mm -hmm. it makes me appreciate all the things I have so much more, you know, my three children, my wife, my house, I, all these things that I have, they, they were all fought for immensely. Mm -hmm. you know? And then, then, then there's, so there's that grounding and sense of appreciation. Exactly. And also there's the part about never having to like, take orders per se. Although like one of the reasons how trade ideas started, right? Because I was fired from the company I started. Mm -hmm. Board meetings, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And we realized that the people that got put in to take over, they didn't care about the customer. They just wanted to go to meetings. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we still don't do board meetings. We run the company like a family. Uh, that's one of the, you know, our customers are our venture capital. That's the beautiful thing. Yeah. People trust us enough to subscribe to us knowing that there's all sorts of bullshit online that's for free, but you can't, you get what you pay for. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I mean, I've looked at you, like your pricing isn't, I mean, you and I come from the era when your quotes were 1500 bucks a month, your Bloomberg yeah. was, you know, I mean, you, you dropped seven grand a month before you even made a dime. 
you know. No. Yeah. Let, me, let me, you know, you're addressing one of the biggest things that I kind of want to cover on this podcast. And I think you'll appreciate, both of you guys will appreciate what I'm saying, which is I want to, I want to convey a secret. You know, it's all about secrets. How and why do people actually lose money trading? And I'm going to tell you the secret. When I tell you, you realize it's not really a secret. You guys all know it. Um, like the Glenn Fry song, the lure of easy money, it's got a very strong appeal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So look, people come in, they got a little startup capital and they want to put that in the market and start making bank. But I explain on my you know, webinars that I do and, and things that we handle, which is when a surgeon finishes medical school, takes <laughs> the boards, he does not go and operate right away. He works on a cadaver. You know why? Because he's going to make mistakes and a cadaver's already dead. Yep. Ray, how many times have I used this? It's so funny, Dan. Dan, he says the same exact thing. It's so funny. Yeah. Well, because people that know, they know, you know, Mm -hmm. this is, I mean, if people want some value from this, you know, I want to break down, why do you lose money? It's very simple. You start, you got all this, you're amped up. When you're amped up, first of all, that's already not a great way to trade. Because then, you know, imagine playing poker or anything, you know, Mm -hmm. it's good to be confident, but confident and amped are not exactly the same thing. Right. 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 So we talk to people and we say, look, guys, one of the biggest innovations of trade ideas that we've done is that just, a, I mean, within the last quarter, maybe just a little bit over three months ago or four months ago, we added full uh, real-time simulated trading. And simulated trading where you can do automation, hybrid, practice P&L management with real-time data. And, and I say to people, I say, look, if you can't take 12 months and literally practice every day, not lose money, but gain a skill, then you might not even ought to be trading in the first place. Mm. You know, it's about the delayed gratification. Totally. Do you want to make it last? If you want to make it last, delay the desire to dump your load right away. (laughs) Exactly. And, And I think, you know, regardless of shorting or going long, or all the things that people say about holding on to losers or whatever, it all really boils down to you. If, if you don't practice, you know, it's like pro golfers, they spend an immense amount of time at the range. If you don't practice, you're not going to get better. And we have the best practice tool in FinTech. I mean, that's the thing I would say to everybody, you know, if you're talking about what really differentiates you, aside from the way we do data and the data mining and the fact that our AI, you know, helps people find, amazing opportunities, both long and short. And I was giving this example. So um, today, uh, one of our AI calls that happened like 15 minutes after the open was a long on YRCW. I don't know if you guys have your- um, Yeah, let me pull it up here. So so we bought it at uh, the AI, which is one of the things that we invented, that is the only system by any vendor that's a calling system. In other words, our software makes calls. Oh, you know, okay. and, and manages and helps you manage the risk. Mm-hmm. So at 6.46, it's said to go long at 2.35. Nice. It went as high as 2.71. And from that perspective, yeah. that difference is better than Tesla's move. Percentage so that, was, that was a beautiful chart, too, and nice smooth price action. 
Well, that's the whole point is that we, yeah. you know, we're using statistical analysis to try to key in on that kind of information. By the way, the second best trade that we had, right, was, um, now this one was a little trickier because it did a, a reverse, but, I was, but just again, from, from the point of view is a short of easy pawn, okay, at, at 547. So this was done at like, I'm looking at, at 650, so 20 minutes after the open, and it really just dropped right there, like very quickly in the next 20 minutes. Beautiful, you could have, again, profited a nice eight, 10%. Then it popped back up, but then after it went like just halfway, like it you never got stopped out. Our stop was at uh, 598, and all the stops are also auto-generated. Oh, really? Yeah. So again, we, we're trying to do everything. We're trying to make sure that you get the entry, the, the risk management, the whole thing. So right after that, it just continued to go lower and lower and lower and lower and finally closed out at 504. So from 547 to 504. So both long and short, you get, you know, and again, sometimes the stocks are small. Sometimes they're, you know, there was a long play on uh, J today, you know, so $95, at the same time you have something for $5. It's just about statistics for us. No, no, that's really, it's really interesting. It, the funny thing is um, I started looking at equities on profile because I've been trading futures for about six years solid now. And right. I just started getting back into equities. And uh, Steve sent me, you know, he's, he gave me some targets, you know, some of your picks from the scans because I said, Find me something that's got good institutional ownership, high number of trades, and you know, jumping over VWAP. And some of the stuff that 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 the software spit out was just beautiful price action, like um, you know, ADAP and TRIL, and yep. and you know, all this under ten dollar. Ever since they got rid of the wise guys in the mob, and they've replaced that under twenty dollar Nasdaq with you know the guys from Harvard, and cleaned it up. The price action is is luxurious. You know? and, and, you know, it's not just simply about day trading, too. I'm going to give you an example. Um, on, uh, like, around October, like, right, right, right on Halloween, the software picked a long BBIO at $20, like $20.95. And literally, from that day on, it just plowed forward all the way up to 48 Yeah, that was nice. Um, and it's still way up from the original call. So we talk about the fact that we create swing guidelines, day trading guidelines. I almost don't like the term day trading because it presupposes there's some magic in getting out at the end. But the truth uh, is it's about yes. risk management, right? Exactly. And what you can handle. Yeah. Sometimes you cannot out day trade a momentum when it's going in your direction. Like that BBIO, you wouldn't yeah. want to be in it every day. You would have just wanted to be on the ride. Yeah. And that's the thing that we try to focus on, which is, you know, we, if you look at our software, we try to take the best of the stuff that's difficult to do, but then simplify it. We sort of have a Netflix like channel bar where people can pick what they want to see. Everything's, you can get very sophisticated in terms of what it is that you want to do. Like, you know, people are experts in Adobe Photoshop. They can get gnarly at it. Same thing with trade ideas. But if you just want to cut and paste and there's nothing wrong with that, you are able to do that with our software. Everything's already pre-done. So once again, you don't need to like spend all of your time under the hood. You Got can it. experience the Tiptronic without knowing 
you know, yeah. how all the shifting is done. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. That's hmm. cool. So, so, so Dan, so, I mean, the, the, their their ability i would imagine because you know i've I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with with your guys software um you know steve has shown me it showed me like how he back tests and like the scans he does himself now i would imagine are there problems for the subscribers um learning how because it's so intense i, I want to say so intensive but there's so much you can do with your guys software that they run into problems they're kind of like oh I, I don't know how to use it it's I don't know if I'm making sense. No, you are making yeah. sense. And that's always the biggest problem of software that's powerful is that you run into, you know, you got the guy that's not very experienced that wants to, you know, race the Ferrari, but he doesn't even know how to shift gears. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Our solution to that is, and I hate to use the example of Tesla, but it's kind of like the auto driving. So that's what the AI is doing. Mm -hmm. So the AI that we have, it's, giving you entries it's giving you risk and exit it's doing everything so the question is can you follow it and actually you can follow it in two ways you can fully automate the ai so that it trades for you via interactive brokerage you know it'll trade for you live mm. okay. wow. mm -hmm. you can automate it in simulated trading mode which is another thing that is key so you can figure out how that all feels what is it like to be in a bunch of positions at once etc and of course, you can just cherry pick. You can say, okay, well, here's a trade. I think I'll take this one. I don't like that one. I'll take this one. Um, and everything is structured for you. So there's the, the only way you can handle having this kind of software and not having people be overwhelmed is a continuous education curriculum. And we have that all throughout the week. We have webinars. We have a YouTube channel that's populated with every aspect of the software from turning it on to making windows. So you can just do it on your own time if you wanted to, but if you need the classroom uh, setting, there's that. And there's also a live trading room that we have that we host. A gentleman named Barry Anderson hosts it. And it's kind of both a meritocracy of good users who, not all of whom are our customers per se, but just who interact with our software. Um, and window shoppers who are looking around and then this core group of solid experts that share not only just how the software works, but how they implement it to make money. Right, right. So we yeah, kind of have it all. I just want to give a shout out to Barry. I, uh, I've learned, I've been into the room. I really like Barry's style of trading and uh, just him in general. I just like his, like, uh, he's like a no nonsense type of approach, Absolutely. which, and, which I appreciate. And we want to promote that, you know, we, we yeah. want people to gravitate to the kind of trading that is, that makes sense. Right. Exactly. And Barry yeah. is relatively easy to follow and he does a lot of AI plays. And, and, and the funny thing, and guys, the funny thing is guys, we, we really, there's no end to the innovation cycle. I mean, we're about to add chart based entries and exits so that everything you see, you don't have to like, right click or uh, execution panel you can literally drag your buy and sell points to the chart and oh, once really? it gets there it'll execute and stops are automatically set it set for you um wow, and, wow and let me tell you the biggest thing that we're doing okay we are going to be doing kind of like a draft kings thing but with the stock market you know that you can, that right now you can play Fortnite for money in tournaments yeah mm -hmm. okay or quake or Gears of War or whatever, multiplayer. Right. So we're going to be doing that for trading and we're going to have cash prizes. And one of the ways that we're doing that is like you have to eliminate all luck out of it. So like if somebody 
is in the Tesla situation. They, you, any, anybody can only get a small percentage of a gap up. Right. So, you know, if something's gapped up like 30% in one day, everyone gets to five of that 30 and then you have to trade the rest and the more you trade the more kind of points you're acquiring so that you're doing more and more positive things and the best part about this is that the the skills you're going to learn in these tournaments are actually skills you're going to apply in real life and real life trading trading, whereas Fortnite that does not really help you in real life yeah that's interesting (laughs) you know you know dan that's that's something i've always thought because you know i I, i'm a poker player and i always thought i'm like why doesn't trading have more like competitions or, you know, of things of that nature. I thought that would be, you know, interesting. So I, I like that's where you guys are. Uh... We're, we're taking, if you go to our website, you can kind of scroll down past the first page. You can see, you know, first quarter, we're going to try to do a first tournament. You know, there's some legal hurdles. You have to make sure you're crossing so that you're not, quote mm-hmm. unquote, gambling. But, but to us, it's the same exact thing as video game tournaments, right, which is a right. very big business. No, absolutely. And it's, and it's just growing. It's continuing to grow. Well, it's continuing to grow. The real key is getting rid of luck. And we, right. we can do that programmatically. Like I said, by making sure that you can't just win with one trade and getting lucky. You yeah. can do that in real life, but not in a tournament. And mm-hmm. then same thing about, you know, the gap ups. If something get, that you're in accidentally gets bought out and that's the only thing you do, you can't win that way. Mm-hmm. So okay. that, makes sense. that makes sense. Yeah. And that's it. That's interesting. Um, so, so those are the so the whole notion of simulated trading that we're bringing to the table. It isn't just only. I mean, number one, you should you should be practicing. We have the best practice tools, but we're also going to reward those that are doing it the right way with actual cash money. Hmm. So, Dan, let me let me play. I want to just because this is just what I thought of when when we're talking about the tournaments, right? I want to play devil's advocate to the luck factor, right? Which I think make poker tournaments popular or just maybe poker in general is that anyone can win on any given day. Right. So well, the, the, the recreational player can play with the pro and beat them for a day. Right. The, the problem is mm-hmm. poker is gambling. Mm-hmm. It's not a, so we, you have to, for what we're doing, you have to be like a video game where a video game, you know, like quake, you can't win. On oh, luck. cause you got you. Okay. Okay. Because, all right. I understand. I understand now. What you're That's saying. why. Yeah. 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 And, and again, uh, it, that's just the legality, but, but it right, really right. does help get you to the right place because luck is great, but you don't want to be counting on that. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I, was, I was saying from, uh, I was looking at it from like a growth standpoint, oh, sure, sure, you, sure. you know what I mean? But um, cool, cool. Um, so Dan, uh, uh, how often, how active are you as a trader? Um, you know, now that you know, businessman running this company, you still pretty active? I, I do trade, but I'm not as active as I used to be. I do a lot more like swing position trading. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's only because, you know, you guys have to appreciate the fact that you can't be a one-legged ass kicker. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It, Very true. I, and, and also I get a, like, when I do it, I kind of go all in. Yeah. <laughs> um, meaning like you can't just turn yeah. that passion off. And exactly. when you're doing that, then you're not really helping to grow the business, thinking outside the box. And I'll give you mm-hmm. one example. You know, we've got people that have been with us and are still subscribers since like 2003, 2004. And they still use versions of our product that are like over eight years old. If something works, you don't fix it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's good that you have like that legacy product. That's, that's really cool. All right. But, but yeah. for me, I have to like, it's almost like I have to lose 
to see where I can add value. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, right. I understand. That's where the lose is in simulated mode. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that I was going to mention is, uh, you know, like, for example, that BBIO trade uh, sure. on a swing. I mean, though, you know, there's one thing to trade in the day time frame. I don't call it day trading. I call it the short term or day time sure. frame. And, but there's another thing. Trades like that are, are real wealth builders. You know, yes. you know, they, you know, if you, you have a few of those, you exponentially build your, you know, your wealth. Um, and, um, you know, that, you know, basically in the old days, the way I worked in my world, you'd find a group of people who had a deal and you knew they could move the paper. So you bought into their deal. Mm -hmm. So your software is kind of going and doing that, you know, using science. It's, it's pretty right. cool. You know, we're, we're psychologically trying to derive, uh, psychological supply and demand mathematically, exactly. through, you know, mathematic behavior. Yeah. But, but I love what you're saying there because, I mean, this is the reason why I'm doing this podcast, why you guys are in the game, why we're doing what we're doing. Let's back up for a minute and talk about the big picture, okay? You can't sell a house in the morning and, I mean, buy a house in the morning, sell it at the end of the day and make 30% yeah. with the costs and what it does. There's no place other than the U.S. stock market where you can build wealth with the kind of risk profile that exists where the spread is almost nothing mm -hmm. and you can actually li be liquid. I mean, you know, you can trade oh. with, with things like Microsoft, right? Or Apple. I mean, you can trade tens of millions of dollars for oh, the stock so and, liquid. and make percentages on them. Mm -hmm. And you can do that from your own home, you know, without any, uh, uh, warranties and inspections yeah. and exactly know, so you know people talk about flipping real estate get the hell out of here oh yeah exactly i don't want to hammer carry a hammer you know i mean you can't compare i mean in the stock market there are so many names so oh. returned that, that you can access whereas with real estate i mean you are stuck not that real estate is bad, you know, it's no, tangible. Yeah. I'm not against yeah. that. Yeah. But I'm just saying that you can't compare the liquidity of the U.S. stock market. Oh, my God. To, in my opinion, to anything in the world, because once again, unlike even the bond market, right, you've got like the smaller names that can trade 20, 30 million shares and move up 40, 50%. Yeah. yeah. And we've seen that over and over again. And, and it'll do it both ways. So oh, yeah. you can ride the yeah. up and the down if you're an astute trader and you've earned the skill. Exactly. I mean, I always marvel and I tell people that the machine that has been built that are these U.S. markets are just, they're fascinating. They're stable, price stability, beautiful order flow. People don't back away from bids. You know, it's regulated. You can't ask for anything. You can't beat it. It is the yeah. best that there is. Um, and, and they, whoever they are, do, uh, do as much as they can to prevent people from seeing that that's possible, which is, again, goes back into the whole Robin Hood and the whole mm -hmm. buy hold bullshit. Yeah. You know, and I'll even give you, again, talking to the tune of where I think the world will head soon is that, you know, I honestly believe the tax situation is the other thing that keeps the investors out of the stock market because this whole notion of capital gains and long-term gains, it's inverted. If you're adding liquidity and doing a lot of transactions, your rates should be smaller. 
the more you trade, the less taxes you should pay because you're providing liquidity to the mm. market. No, that's if true. You make yeah. one trade. Why do you get the benefit of that? Why? Well, because you, they did it for you. You know, you gave everybody, like think about our 401ks. It's like, yeah. oh, look, 401ks are doing great. Can I touch it? No. Yeah. Why? Because I'm stupid. You're stupid. Don't touch your money. Yeah. Um, so that, all of that inversion, I think, I'm very hopeful that that will be changed to the logical way is that again, supply and demand, if you're providing liquidity, if you're trading a lot, you're actually adding to the market, exactly. not, not making it worse. Exactly. And uh, the more liquidity, the better it is. Definitely. So you should be rewarded tax wise for that. When that happens, then you're going to be the wealth. You know, like if you talk to any wealth manager, you know what they hate the most trading. Yeah, oh, definitely. I'm in. I can't sell your stuff because, you know, taxes. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? What world are we living in? It's like some sort of weird matrix. It is. It really is. I mean, you look at some of these companies, you look at Apple, Microsoft, less than 1% of their float trades on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, like all the stocks locked in somebody's desk drawer, you know, yeah. well, Black rock, black water, and those. Every black, every black cube, stone, and trident, <laughs> and and that's it. Yeah, and and, and you know we, we're not, not 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 that we have anything bad against us. We don't want to die in our sleep tonight, mm. you know. Uh, but black helicopter, but but you know, but it is all real. It's like the best opportunities are in the stock market. Most people don't do it because they've just been brainwashed to believe that they're too stupid. And, and again, they've been taught to not think critically and manage risk. If you're in a stock and you're not up in it, well, you're down in it and holding it. I mean, to a certain point you can, but if you're continuing to lose money, well, no. That is not a good risk behavior, you know? Yes, exactly. So, I mean, that's the one thing I, I would say that working with our tech teaches people. It's risk management, consequences. And yeah, just like going back to the cadaver and making a full loop, right? <laughs> the, surgeon, the surgeon learns on a cadaver because it's managed consequences. Exactly. You want to learn in simulated trading. You want to be very active on the range, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can see what feedback. Why are you slicing? Why are you pulling your golf shot? What's yep. going on? Are you not moving your hips? These are all things you got to know. That's exactly. what we teach you in our simulated trading. Yeah, wonderful. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, we just got to take a, uh, a second uh, to shout out our sponsor, official sponsor of the podcast, Traders Creed, the best collection of stock market t-shirts, apparel, and gifts out there. Perfect for traders at traderscreed.com. They provide quality products that are ethically sourced and incorporate humor and wit into each design. Imagine your favorite stock saying or impression on a nice shirt, mug, or bag. Check out the many designs at traderscreed.com. So, Dan, I see um, there's a lot of excitement around this small exchange, um, and I know you guys are maybe playing a role in partnering with them or something to that extent. Uh, is that something you can speak on? Absolutely. Um, you know, we did our uh, event in October that we – uh, that we usually hold annually, our Traders Summit kind of event where various people come in and speak to us about what they're doing. And um, Small Exchange is one of them. I really love the idea of being able to have their branded futures type product 
integrated into our system, giving people just, you know, that's again, going back to the pattern day trading rule, um, giving them more access to leverage their capital. Um, we're continuing to work with them, as you know, new products. There's always like stuff going on at the exchange level, at the data level. But uh, I, I think very like within the quarter, something will happen. There'll be some sort of release where small exchange will be a part of what we're offering. That's wonderful. And are they um, now I've been watching uh, tasty trade tasty trade actually was very beneficial to me because when I went from institutional side and the deal side to uh, being a retail trader, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And, uh, you know, I always say institutional trading is like being at a nightclub where all the beautiful women like you and, you know, retail trading is like trying to cross a freeway wearing a towel. So yeah. I, f I fell into tasty trade and, um, you know, I, I was immediately, you know, I, I learned about market profile with those guys with Peter and uh, Brad. And sure. I really appreciate how Tom Sosnoff and, and those guys have put that together. That's, that's, that's a really, uh, a, a lovely platform and it's a, it's a great resource for retail traders. Well, you know, they had a lot of success with Thinkorswim, Sam, yeah. the people, mm -hmm. uh, they're still passionate about it. They made a ton of money selling, Thinkorswim to TD Ameritrade. And, uh, you know, now Thinkorswim is going to be an interesting situation when, since TDA is bought by Schwab. Yes. You got to imagine that the whole innovation cycle is going to be ground to a total halt. <laughs> um, so hopefully that'll just be more room for players like us and, and them to innovate and help uh, people see that there's so much more out there. You know, ultimately it's about embracing the freedom with, that comes with making your own decisions in the stock market. You know, it's, you know, it'll bring your dark side or your light side. And we want to go from dark to light. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Excellent. And will they, are they going to have something similar to a, like a micro futures product? Is that there? I think that's the point. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's the point. Uh, and, and I think that's, the, that's the big thing that they're, yeah. that they're going okay. for. So, and and, I, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm very, they're very nice guys and we like working with innovators. So hopefully um, it'll just all jive in when we release it. But I hate doing any, saying anything ahead of time because again, yes. with technology, you know, it always, you never exactly know. True, true. And regulation too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, you know, so Dennis, it's not often I get to talk to somebody who was a judge at the Cannabis Cup. So yeah, I, I got some questions revolving that you know <laughs> you know it's something i uh you know followed even since high school man you know what i mean like I, I, what was just, just describe to me the experience because i even thought like as a judge i mean like how stone like you know how are you going to judge different <laughs> strands it's like how stone do you Great get question. like how do you know what you know what i mean that's what i that's okay, okay. my first yeah go ahead so i asked the same question when i was uh first asked to judge and they say uh judging you got to bring a crew with you so I'm the judge. So the judging comes from me, but you bring your homies with you. Because <laughs> you have, there's so much stuff to judge. Again, people were taking knees, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we, it's a we effort, you know, because right. one dude, you're going to be like, you know, shredded in 10 minutes into it. Right, right. You know, and you have a week to judge, like, uh, I think sometimes like 20 things. Uh -huh. So uh, it's, 
it ain't, it's, it's an awesome uh, prospect and, and very humbling because again, you know, you really, because the questions are good because guys who are doing it are, are very astute at the various different things, but you know, it, it is very subjective. Right, right. Uh, so everyone has their own take on it, but you got to just, you know, kind of, you know, I'm sure it's very similar to wine. You know, ultimately people ask, so what does this wine taste like? Oh, it kind of tastes like red wine to me. <laughs> um, yeah. so they've got all sorts of calibrations and uh you know you pick up your judging it's a kit you go out you pick up a judging kit and everything there's a judging software and then you plug it all in after you and the boys hit it mm-hmm. really oh interesting. interesting cool cool yeah you know you know it's us east coast guys we've always been a little jealous of you guys in california you know that's it's like the epicenter out there it's what's which yeah. yeah what's your um uh favorite strand do you have a favorite strand you know i so my whole personal take on that you know for me it's more like uh not strain per se but i'm more of a sativa kind of guy mm-hmm. than indica because i want to be more alert sure yeah you know? mm-hmm. uh, i don't like to have a favorite strain because it then it's sort of then then you're always going to be sort of looking for it sure you know sure like Uh, kind of kind of like pigeonholing yourself almost yeah so (laughs) so i try to be very very open and not be like stuck to any one thing and you know and the branding's also like so many people name stuff similarly (laughs) yeah 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 right there's you know og kush and granddaddy purple and like and then it keeps going and going and going and you're like sometimes you're like wait which one is this you know they sound yeah. similar yeah yeah so um i would say you know do you like indica sativa or hybrid and i'm more of a sativa hybrid okay okay sure now what, what's your take on like uh the flower versus the uh like the vapes man great question i mean the vapes are an amazing convenience yeah you know, um, so I was vaping a lot. I mean, they don't get you as high, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, to some extent good. Um, but of course, they're tempting to hit all the time because it's easy and there's no mess. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not hitting their light and uh, lighter. And, and it's because the mess is less, there's just more opportunity to to do. Yeah. So I like both. Um, and. Oh, we lose you, Dan. Yeah, I think we lost him. Well, let's see if we could try and get him back here. <laughs>